This is Ticker Symbol U, a podcast focused on highlighting advanced technologies that are transforming our lives and disrupting their competitors in the process. My name is Alex, and I'm definitely not a financial advisor. I'm just a nerd that loves sharing my personal vision of the future and putting my money where my mouth is. To learn more, find me at tickersymbolu.com or youtube.com slash tickersymboluyou. Let's start with this. This is a somber episode for me, not just because I'm dressed for a funeral, but also because I have a confession to make. I haven't been giving you the full story on disruptive innovation. As bullish as I am on e-commerce, I'm actually just as bearish on most physical stores. As bullish as I am on fintech and crypto, I'm actually just as bearish on middlemen and legacy banks. As bullish as I am on electric vehicles, I'm just as bearish on gas-powered cars. And in my effort to make this a fun, upbeat, and positive channel, I've spent most of my time talking about innovators like Tesla, and not enough time talking about the companies they're going to disrupt. Most people have never seen exponential growth. The returns are going to be phenomenal. And for any corporations who are listening to that or other businesses, uh, you need to embrace these new technologies because they're going to be transformational. And if you don't embrace them, uh, you're not going to win. In fact, you may not be around. In this episode, I'm going to give you the full story. I'll use Tesla and GM as an example, but the concepts I'll talk about extend to almost every industry and market sector. I'll share a few hidden numbers that secretly separate the winners from the losers, the disruptors from the disrupted. Because the truth is you can't talk about one without the other, since they compete for the same customers, the same talent, and the same investors. Even beyond that, one technology can come in and disrupt many different markets. Think about how many products and services no longer exist because they're now apps on your smartphone, all of which were many billion dollar markets just a few years ago. Poof, gone. And that's just your smartphone. Now think about all the other legacy technologies and systems that big businesses like GM have spent billions of dollars on decades ago and have been piecing together ever since. If the smartphone alone replaced all this, can you imagine how many trillions of dollars of products and services will be disrupted by the likes of artificial intelligence, blockchain technology, advanced robotics, gene sequencing and editing, and modern energy storage solutions, not to mention the products and services that will combine them. That disruption measures in the tens of trillions of dollars. And because of disruptions like these, Apple's market cap is pushing $3 trillion today, and Tesla's is at already near $1 trillion again. With that context, here's a little more of that intro clip of Kathy Wood from her most recent episode of In the Know. Most people have never seen exponential growth, and they certainly haven't seen convergence of exponential growth trajectories that we see, for example, in autonomous taxi networks, the convergence of robotics, uh, energy storage, and artificial intelligence. So one S-curve feeding another S-curve. Uh, we think that delivers $10 trillion in revenues in in year 10, 10, in 2030. Now, if that's right, that's from zero. The returns are going to be phenomenal. We're not going back. And uh, and therefore, we th- think that you should start thinking about uh, these stocks, uh, not as stay-at-home stocks, uh, but stay connected stocks, stay competitive stocks, stay globally competitive stocks, uh, because that's what we do. Uh, we're focused on the way the world's going to work uh, and uh, really transformational growth. And for any corporations who are listening to that or other businesses, 
you need to embrace these new technologies because they're going to be transformational. And if you don't embrace them, uh, you're not going to win. In fact, you may not be around. In my opinion, Kathy Wood is spot on when she says that companies who don't embrace these technologies may not survive. In my very first episode, I said that ARK Invest will keep making history because they understand it better than anyone else. And throughout history, the cycle of innovation, disruption, and creative destruction happens again and again and again. What is creative destruction? I've actually already explained it to you. It's what the smartphone did to MP3 players and handheld GPS systems and barcode scanners and stopwatches. It's what the automobile did to the horse-drawn carriage, and not just the horse-drawn carriage, but every other piece of the logistics chain that involves moving people and goods. Roads changed to support cars. Buildings changed to support the loading and unloading of huge trucks. Infrastructure changed to support traffic and refueling and commercial fleets. The world changed, and the companies that didn't change with it did not survive. By the way, the market for automobiles today is well over 10 times bigger than the market for the horse-drawn carriage was at its peak, and the companies that did change with the times enjoyed massive returns for doing so. The same can be said with the smartphone market, compared to all of the single-use products and services that they've already destroyed over time. So, the obvious next question is, why are these disruptions so obvious in hindsight, while being so hard to predict in the future? Why are no other Wall Street analysts forecasting the same kind of creative destruction when they compare a company like Tesla to a company like GM? To answer that, here's a quick clip of Dr. Adam Doerr, Director of Research at RethinkX, explaining why analysts often miss this big picture using battery cost declines as an example. Lithium-ion batteries are even more impressive, 87% since 2010, averaging nearly 20% per year. And we project 15% improvement during the 2020s, totaling another 80% by 2030, for an astounding 45x improvement in two decades. Now, conventional analyses almost always underestimate cost improvements during disruption. Costs improve as market supply and demand expand, and the industry learns from experience. And conventional analyses often make linear forecasts for market growth. In reality, disruption always follows an S-curve. So one S-curve feeding another S-curve. So the big thing analysts are getting wrong is that they're making linear assumptions about the future while disruptions always follow an S-curve. What is an S-curve? This is where those hidden numbers come in. Let me break it down for you. There's something called Wright's Law, which says that for every cumulative doubling in production, technology costs will decline by a fixed percentage. Every time we double the number of batteries produced, that same battery should cost about 20% less than it used to, which looks like an exponential decline if you were to plot battery costs over time. The hidden number in this example is that the total number of batteries produced roughly doubled every year, and it's that doubling that caused costs to decline by about 20% not just the passing of time itself. This exponential drop in price is met with an even larger increase in demand. You already know this as well. For example, if you cut the price of a Tesla Model 3 in half, way more than twice as many people would buy one. If you were to cut the price of an iPhone by 75%, almost everyone in the connected world would get one. If you were to cut the price of a lithium-ion battery by 95%, it would become a foundational building block for almost every technology that can run on one, which is pretty much exactly what happened over the last two decades. 
This exponential relationship between lower prices and increased demand has nothing to do with electronics and everything to do with economics. It's called the price elasticity of demand. According to ARK Invest research, in the last 10 years from 2008 to 2017, the price of an industrial robot was cut roughly in half, from $50,000 per robot to about $25,000. But the demand for those robots went up by 4x over that same time frame. The hidden number here is that sometime between 2008 and 2010, industrial robots became cheaper than hiring a human to do certain tasks. Then, and every year after, robots got better at doing more and more tasks, and cheaper per task they could do. So companies demanded even more of them, which started a big feedback loop of robots getting cheaper and better, and other companies ordering even more of them. The lesson here is that it's not enough just to be cheap in general. You have to be cheaper enough to replace the customer's current working solution specifically. A Toyota Camry, one of the most popular cars in the world, costs about $25,000 today. Here is the cost decline curve for a Tesla Model 3. Tweet me at ticker symbol U with what you think will happen to the demand of the Tesla Model 3 when it becomes cheaper than the Toyota Camry. I'm excited to hear your thoughts. You now have all the ammo you need to understand this S-curve that Kathy Wood and Adam Dore are talking about. So here's the next clip, which explains what happens to the companies that are sitting on the wrong side of change, the wrong side of the same S-curve. In reality, disruption always follows an S-curve the first phase of which is exponential. And this is what we're seeing now. The global market for each of these three technologies shows a beautifully consistent exponential curve. So why do disruptions follow an S-curve? For any new technology, falling costs increase demand, which attracts more investment in production. That in turn expands supply and expanding supply lowers costs even further. At the same time, growing demand also triggers more infrastructure investment and government support, which also increase supply. As supply expands, the technology itself improves. The public becomes more accepting of it, and network effects emerge around leading brands and platforms, all of which drive demand growth even further. So the entire process is characterized by acceleration, with each feedback loop amplifying the others in a virtuous cycle. And at the same time, growing demand for the new reduces demand for the old. Revenues for the old technology decline, which causes supply to shrink. A smaller supply means loss of economies of scale, and so costs increase. At higher costs, which translate into higher prices, demand falls. Less demand also means less profit, less investment in production and infrastructure, less government support, all of which cause supply to contract further. And that in turn reduces public acceptance and weakens network effects. And so for incumbents, the process is also an accelerating one where each factor catalyzes the others. But in this case, it's a vicious cycle of decline. And less demand for the old drives all the more demand for the new. Now we've seen this pattern again and again for technologies of all different kinds throughout history. And in each case, the outcome is not a slow incremental transition, but rather a rapid and total transformation of the market that takes place over the course of just a decade or so. Now, because the rate of change is slow in the early years, it almost always takes conventional analysts and observers by surprise when disruption gets going. The history of technology shows us that the exponential growth phase tends to continue until the new technology comprises about 75% of its global market ultimate size. 
Now, because most disruptions make their markets expand, this means that the new technologies often grow well beyond the size of the old system. Conventional forecasts get disruption wrong. Major industry forecasts have made simple linear projections for the growth of solar, for example, year after year for 20 years. Now, at the same time that disruption creates a new system, it also wipes out the old system. And this isn't theoretical. It has already begun with coal in the United States. Year after year, these same industry forecasts have been desperately trying to save coal from collapse with wishful thinking. The first time I saw that clip, it changed the way I view the world. And by the way, his wishful thinking comment is a big part of what's happening with companies like Tesla and GM in the stock market today just like the wishful thinking going on in the energy sector against renewables and in the banking sector against digital wallets and cryptocurrencies. You don't have to go very far to see this wishful thinking in action. Here's a clear example from one of the most powerful people on the planet. And I can remember your dramatic announcement that by 2035, GM would be 100% electric. You changed the whole story, Mary, wherever, wherever you are. There you are. You did, Mary. You electrified the entire automobile industry. I'm serious. You led, and it matters. The problem is, wishful thinking like speeches and magazine covers are a big part of what keeps legacy companies afloat. According to Queen Technica, which used publicly available data, overall U.S. auto sales were down 13% year-over-year last quarter. Tesla's sales were up 67%. Compared to quarter three of 2019, so just two years ago, Tesla's sales are up 104% while overall auto sales are down 22%. And just to be clear, GM's brands are Chevy, Buick, GMC, and Cadillac, all of which are towards the worst performing parts of this list. Just last year, GM signed a $2 billion deal with Nikola, only months before Nikola's CEO, Trevor Milton, got indicted for fraud. GM CEO Mary Barra, remember GM has made an agreement with Nikola, taking an 11% stake in the company, regarding the comments from Hindenburg Research, basically accusing Nikola of being uh, you know, fraudulent in their claims about the uh, trucks that they're building and developing. GM's Mary Barra said it, they have done appropriate due diligence. If that was done before the Nikola deal, also says that she believes that the Nikola deal gives GM size and scale. So they're standing beside Nikola. You electrified the entire automobile industry. I'm serious. If these are the kinds of decisions that GM's research and diligence lead them to, going electric tomorrow still wouldn't save them from Tesla, which has been electric since their founding in 2003. Here's a fun fact. Tesla's Fremont Gigafactory actually used to be a former GM factory decades ago. Whether the person doing the wishful thinking is a Wall Street analyst or the president of the United States, the end is always the same. Even worse, wishful thinking isn't the only thing propping up the stocks of these legacy companies, these value traps. Here are some other hidden numbers for you, the ones that Kathy Wood thinks are coming together to make a value bubble that could be as big as the dot-com bubble in 2000. Value has been screaming this year. And in fact, Nancy Lazar of Cornerstone Macro has likened what could happen now to the flip side of Y2K. In the tech and telecom bubble, value looked like it had two left feet, couldn't do anything right. And it got worse as time went on. Uh, and of course, um, value was the big winner, the very big winner for years coming out of the tech and telecom 
uh, bust. Uh, I think that the innovation stocks that have been pummeled in here, many of them are a quarter to a third of where they were earlier this year. Uh, I believe they are going to be the big winners once we confirm that the inflation is transitory, that there's a recession risk out there. And when there's a fear of a recession, uh, value stocks get hit hard. And I do believe there is something to this. And when inflation gets hit, uh, value stocks get hit hard. Um, and we also have a lot of behavior, especially during risk-off periods, that is informed by the past. Uh, algorithms just use past in order to um, uh, determine what to sell and what to buy. Uh, and that certainly uh, is true this time. Algorithms are pretty mindless when it comes to the future. In fact, they don't incorporate anything about the future. And more than half of uh, the trading volume we believe today is algorithm driven. A lot of market factors come together to form a bubble this big. In this case, it's the current narrative around high inflation being permanent, the worries of a potential recession on the horizon, and mindless robots being responsible for more than half of all trading on U.S. stock exchanges. By some estimates, algorithmic trading actually makes up closer to 60% of all trades on the market. And now we've come full circle because these algorithms use the exact linear assumptions this entire episode is warning you against. I don't know where in this bubble we might be today, or how far value traps like GM stock will fall when that bubble pops. But what I do know is that one day, the people who program these algorithms will catch on to all these other factors I've talked about in the auto industry and beyond. And that's why if you're still running on these legacy technologies, you're running out of time. By the way, that funeral I'm going to is for General Motors. This is ticker symbol U. My name is Alex, reminding you that the best investment you can make is in you.